0: All right, um, if you take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1, and i got to see what's going on here. There we go. If you were watching on the live stream, you saw me disappear. We had some technical difficulties, but they're all said thanks for joining us, uh, if you're turning in, tuning in online. Colossians chapter 1, so we started in the in-between times between what we've been looking at uh, regarding um, the uh, Truth for Life sessions, we're looking now at what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, and um, as I had mentioned uh, when we started this a uh, couple weeks ago, um, this is a prayer." Or it's a record of Paul's prayer for the believers at Colossae. One of the things that we uh, know about uh, the believers in Colossae is that they didn't have a personal interaction with Paul directly. He never, at least from what we can see in Scripture, he never went to the town of Colossae. And so, in, in some regards, what we see is Paul's prayer for individual believers that he does not know, a church that he does not know. And so, we can sort of extrapolate that out and say, well, this would likely be how Paul would pray for us as well. And so I thought it was helpful for us to see how an apostle prays for um, God's people. So Colossians chapter 1, uh, we'll go ahead and read verses 3 through 13, and then we're going to be focusing uh, mainly on verses uh, four or 3, 4, and 5 uh, the, um, this evening. Paul writes, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray quickly. Father, we thank you for um, the faithfulness of the Apostle Paul. Thank you, Father, for how uh, you worked through him. Uh, Particularly, thank you that uh, your spirit moved upon him to record his prayer for your people, uh, particularly these believers in Colossae. But Lord, we see it as a pattern of things that we should be praying for in our own lives. And so, Lord, we ask that you would work in our hearts, encourage us, strengthen us, guide us, and direct us in our own prayer lives uh, as we see how the Apostle Paul prayed for believers. We pray these things in Christ's name, pleading his blood. Amen. So what we looked at, first of all, is that uh, Paul grounds his prayer in thanksgiving, that prayer is grounded in thanksgiving. And again... This is appropriate for us as we enter into November. We have the opportunity to focus on the things that we are to give thanks for. And that's how Paul begins in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. We always thank God. And so he begins, as he formulates the prayer that he has for these believers, to give thanks to God. And he gives thanks to God for some very specific things. And one of those things that he gives thanks for is their faith. And we looked at this uh, the last time we worked through this, I think, two weeks ago. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. So one of the first things that Paul mentions when he discusses and uh, talks about the, uh, in his prayer life for these believers in Colossae is their faith. And we talked about how, why, why is he giving thanks to God for something that the believers in Colossae exercise? I mean, aren't, aren't we the ones who believe? Is it something that we do? And the answer is, yes, absolutely. But why do we believe? And it's only by the grace of God that we come to understand and believe uh, in Christ as our Savior. So it is appropriate for Paul to give thanks for our faith. And I challenged us that we should be, in our prayers, giving thanks for our faith. We should thank God daily that we have faith in Christ, that we are trusting in Him. Because we didn't come to that conclusion on our own. We came to that conclusion solely by God's gracious work within us. So we see that we're to give thanksgiving for faith. Um, But secondly... And somehow I have the wrong... Alright, hold on. I I apologize. Something is not right here. There we go. That's better. Technical difficulties are resplendent today. Is that the right word? I don't think that's the right word. Not resplendent. There are a lot of them. (laughs) Huh? Abundant. Abundant, yes. They are abundant. Um but we're to give thanks for all things, so yes. All right, so prayers granted thanks, thanksgiving for faith, but then we see the second thing that Paul gives thanks for here, and he gives thanks for the believers or the Colossian believers' love. Look at what he says. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith, but along with that faith, he also gives thanks for the fact that they have love for all the saints. So, right on the heels of giving thanks to God for the faith of these believers, he gives thanks for the love that they have for all the saints. Now, my fear is that sometimes we can look at or disguise or, or discuss and think about love for each other, sort of in the same way that we think about um, love based on common ground. So, so Oftentimes when you think about communities, communities um, or groups of people that you, send, you tend to spend time with, uh, we, we come together and we, we rally together around um, a shared love that we have for something. So, for instance, if you're going to be involved in a community that is all about a particular sports team, so like the Steelers community, what is the love that's driving you and pulling you together there? It is the Steelers. Um, maybe it 's uh, um, something else, a shared experience that you 've had maybe it 's based on military service. you know you meet somebody who is in the same uh, the same branch of the military as you are, and you have an instant camaraderie that way. Um, the college that you attended you t- can talk and there 's you know we'll talk about our alma mater and those type of things um, maybe it 's a shared interest, like a hobby so like for instance if i find somebody who likes typewriters, I can immediately start up a good conversation talking about our shared interest in typewriters. Now, the the love that binds together the community of Christ people is not a shared love for something outwardly or earthy in that regard. Rather, the love that believers have for each other is based on spiritual realities. And we see that here in the passage as Paul bookends his discussion and giving thanks to them for their love because their love flows from their faith and then their love is also built up or driven by the hope that they have laid up for them in heaven. Those two things form the boundaries of the love that these believers have for each other. Paul makes it abundantly clear that their love for each other is rooted first in their faith and then in the hope that they have laid up in heaven. These are the sort of spiritual realities that form the glue of the Christian community. It is what drives our love for each other. Now, if if you think about it, if we don't have faith, then we don't have any grounds for a community we don't have anything that we can rally around you cannot believe in or you cannot have love for each other apart from love or apart from faith in Christ but what we're also going to see is you cannot have true faith in Christ apart from love for the brothers that they they really are two sides of the same coin if we believe we will love and if we're truly loving that is a result of the fact that we Believe. If you trust Christ and if you love him, you will love what he loves. And that's the reality that Paul is giving thanks for in this passage. Giving thanks that they have love for all the saints. Christ loves his people. Christ loves his disciples. He loves his saints. John speaks about this in John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. So for Christ to depart out of this world to the Father, that path led him directly where? To the cross. So he is, he is facing... An immense task, a path of suffering, unimaginable suffering that we can never comprehend of. And yet John remarks on this about Christ. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus shows immense love for his disciples. He loves those whom He has called to Himself and whom He lays down His life for. And in fact, in the rest of Genesis, or in the rest of John 13, Jesus demonstrates that love by doing what? Who knows what else happens in John 13? He washes the disciples' feet. He comes to them and serves them. In fact, that's what He points out. This this thing that I'm doing, the way that I'm serving you, you are to serve others. Now, Listen, there are certain things that we can maybe find, you know, we can serve other people if it's not too difficult for us. You know, well, we'll oh, you need me to hold the door? Okay, I'll hold the door for you. Or you need me to go get you a drink? I'll go get you a drink. Those things we can think of as, as sort of simple. But, but do you realize the disgusting work that was involved in washing the feet of believers? I mean, they lived in an arid, dry landscape that was very hot. Their feet would sweat. There would be the dust of the sand that would that would you know um, coagulate. Co- I don't know coagulate is not the right term, but it, they would it would it would get crusty there, right? It was smelly. It was dirty. It was it was a job that was reserved for the lowest of servants in households. What does Jesus do for those who He loves? He serves them with the lowliest service that that we can think of from a human perspective. And so he demonstrates this love by giving and serving others. And then he echoes this in what he tells his disciples. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you receive the one I send, who are we actually receiving? We're receiving Christ. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. If we receive Christ, ultimately, who sent Christ? The Father. That there is, a, that there is a, a direct correlation, a direct line from the love that we have for other believers that shows us that we're loving Christ, which gives us the ability to know and love the Father. So if we say that we have faith in Christ, that we love him, it will, it not it should, it will produce love for other believers. And that is why Paul gives thanks to God for them, because they have this love. This type of spiritual love is exactly what Jesus wants us to know. We see in John 17, later on in the book of John, John is praying for, his, for what's going to happen. He's, I mean, he's, the, the cross is hours away. And what does he speak of in this prayer? As he ends this prayer, he says, I may known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that what may be in us, the love with which you have loved me, may be in them and I in them. There is a desire that Christ has on his mind that focuses on love. Love that is, that is brought about and, and, and seen in the believers. Now, love has always been, within God's people, his desire that we love each other. Uh, we see this in Ephesians chapter 3. In fact, Ephesians chapter 3 here very much sounds a lot like what Paul is saying here in Colossians. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And just to quickly note, if you note drop down to verse 8 of Colossians chapter 1, he talks about how Epaphras has made known to Paul the love that the Colossian believers had in who? The spirit. Same thing Paul is pointing out here in Ephesians. Um, that with the power through the inner spirit in your beings, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Faith. So we have the same thing. Paul is giving thanks for their faith. So what is the result of faith? How is that seen immediately among God's people? That you, being rooted and grounded in what? Love. Being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with How many of the saints? All the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The endless boundaries of the love of Christ, the fullness of God filling us, it all comes as a consequence of our faith. In Christ. Jesus calls us in John 13, he gives us a new commandment. What is that new commandment? We are to love one another. And what does that love look like? Just as Christ has loved us, we also are to love one another. And then he says something that is so often neglected. We will amend this, but I think we don't live by it as much as we ought to. He does not say that all people will know that we are his disciples by our doctrinal creeds, by our being able to, to recite verses or, or have, have, you know, have the right doctrinal statement in place. Now, I'm not trying to diminish the importance of those things. They are absolutely important. But if we have all those things and we don't have love, we're not showing the world that we're his disciples. He's commanding us to love one another just as he has loved us. We're to love one another, and it's by this that we will show and and tell the world that we are his disciples, if you have love one Another love for God forms the basis then of our love for others. This is its connection to faith. It's inconceivable that we would love God and not love the saints. And this is throughout scripture, particularly in 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. Whoever says he is in the light, all right, what does it take to be in the light? Trusting in Christ, right? If you say you're in the light, but you hate your brother, are you really in the light? No, he says you're still in darkness. 1 John four twenty. if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. See, we have to recognize that when we are loving our brothers and sisters, when we are showing that, we are showing and giving love to God Himself because we are all united to Christ by faith. We are in Christ by the faith that we have. So, why then does Paul give thanks? For the Colossians believe Colossian believers love. I mean, again, he says, I thank or we always thank who God, not you. He's not thanking the Colossian believers for their faith. And now, secondly, for their love, which comes as a consequence of their faith. Why? Well, just as faith is produced within us solely by the gift of God's grace, guess what else is produced within us? By God's grace, love. Notice what John says in 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. There's the command, repeating what Jesus said. But notice what he adds on here. Love is where? Where does it come from? From God. If you love whoever loves, you've been born of God and you know God. Again, this is why Christian love, love for the saints is not based on common interests. We don't we don't come together as a social club in the church. You know, we're not we're not coming to join together so that we can, you know, we can have fun times together and we can sort of do our thing on Sundays and and we can you know, it's not solely just about some of the ancillary things. We can focus on the fellowship. Fellowship is good, it's fine to have a good time together. It's fine to enjoy things together. Those are gracious gifts from God. But ultimately, what binds us together is that we all love God through Jesus Christ. That is the glue that holds us together. And that love that we have for God is produced by God himself in us. Notice what he says in four ten through 11. In this is love. And here's, are we the ones who love God? John says the exact opposite. Not that we have loved God, but rather, who is the initiator of love? He loved us. And he demonstrated that by sending his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then John says, beloved. So John himself is living this out. If God so loved us, what ought we to do? So love one another. We love because He first loved us. Love is from God. If we try to manufacture it ourselves, we will never have it. There is a reality in the world around us today that rejects the love of God and rejects knowing Him that they truly cannot know love as God has designed. They can't comprehend what it truly is because we have to know God to have an understanding. God must first love us before we can love others, which means then that if God loves us, What will be the consequence of that love? We will love others. We love because he first loved us. So John concludes in 1 John 4. This commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. John's whole point here is not to tell us what we should do. He is here to tell us what we will do if we truly know the love of God. If we truly love God, we will be loving other believers. Now, think about this in um, correlation to the first and second great commandments, All right. What are, the, what are the first and second great commandments? What are What are they called to? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. You realize that this is from the very beginning of God's working with His people, Israel. The, the same principles... That were given to Israel at the the giving of the law are the same principles that operate for us today. We must love God, and if we love God, we will love others. And so Paul comes here in Colossians chapter one, and he gives thanks that these believers are exhibiting this. Now, again, we said he does this because first of all, we don't love. It's not that we first loved, but that. God is the one who first loved us. But secondly, and I think that this is borne out in the world in which we live today, it seems so so strange that there is that type of love in the world in which we live. Um, We just had elections. Uh, If you watched the rhetoric that was said by opposing parties and opposing um, candidates, It didn't seem like there was a lot of love between the right and the left, the red and the blue, the donkey and the elephant. We talk about our society today as its most fractured place in American history. We look at the way people treat other people. We We look at how we ourselves respond when we're treated ill on the road or someone cuts us off. I mean, there is... There is a significant lack of love in the world. Why? Because people don't love God. They don't know His love that then creates within them love for others. We do know the love of God. As Paul says, he gives thanks for their faith. If we have faith in Christ... Then there is a natural result love for all the saints. Not just the ones that we like. All the saints. So, Paul gives thanks. He gives thanks to God that these believers in Colossae have faith, that they are believers, and then that that faith is being shown to be genuine by their love for all the saints. Scriptures tell us to make our calling and election sure. One way we can evaluate the genuineness of our faith is if we love our brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth we find in it. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Father, you did not love us first, but Or we did not love you first, but you loved us first. And, Father, the consequence of your love for us that brings about faith in our lives is also that we would love others. Lord, grow within us by your grace a continued desire to love other believers, to bear with them and to show them the love that you showed us. Father, work in our midst by your Spirit. We ask this in Christ's name, pleading his blood. Amen. Thanks for joining us online. Thanks for joining us here in person. Have a great week. Oh, and just another reminder, if you're watching online, um, there will not be any service next week, um, but plan to come to our meal. We're going to have a nice big Thanksgiving uh, meal here next week. So, all right, thank you.